This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour live from Liberty Village on the new AM740 radio. In with, in, with me in studio this morning, having a problem getting that one out, is... Uh, Former Washington Capitol and former Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Sweet Lou Franceschetti. Uh, you're subbing in for Naz Marchese, uh, my usual co-host. Naz, I know you're out there listening. I know you're feeling a little bit under the weather. I miss your brother, and uh, get back here soon. So uh, we'll see if uh, Lou can step into your shoes today. Good morning, Lou. Morning, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. And thanks for joining us. You've been here a few times, and um, I'm sure our listeners are looking forward to some of your insights into various topics. But before we get into it, it's Mother's Day, so I want to wish uh, all the mothers out there uh, a happy Mother's Day. My mother, my mother-in-law, who uh, treats me like a son, and of course, my wife. Uh, uh, a great Mother's Day to, to all. I know, Lou, you lost your mother a few years back, but I know she's in your, in your thoughts and in your heart today. Yeah, she is, and uh, I went to visit her yesterday, but uh, again, I'd like to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day, because they really are the backbone to uh, to any family. Sometimes they think that the men have the uh, the grapefruits, but I'll tell you, the mothers have bigger ones sometimes. They sure do, and a, and a great Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Anyways, uh, we've got an interesting show. We've got Lou in, in the house today, Lou Franceschetti. Right after our first break, we're going to going to be talking with Stephen Grigel. Stephen Grigel is one of the attorneys for the NHL players uh, involved in the concussion litigation lawsuit against the NHL. That's uh, quickly gathering steam, and it was in the news this week. Uh, they uh, got a ruling from a judge where the, uh, the NHL had tried to prevent Gary Bettman from being... Uh, Deposed, which is the legal word for being uh, asked questions in that lawsuit. And the judge, in her infinite wisdom, decided that no, they will have to produce Gary Bettman for questioning. And we'll be talking to Stephen Grigel the, uh, from Baltimore, Maryland, who's one of the lead attorneys in that lawsuit. Uh, later on in the show, we'll be talking to our golf uh, guru, Sean Clement, uh, Wisdom in Golf Don wisdomingolf.com. Sean's calling us from Europe this morning. He's been barnstorming around Europe, uh, spreading his golf knowledge for the last couple of weeks, and we're really looking forward to talk, talking to him. But uh, uh, NHL playoffs. Uh, and uh, Louis, you and I were talking in studio a little bit before we came on the air. Uh, in your words, a little bit disappointing so far. It hasn't, hasn't had the buzz or the interest that perhaps uh, previous playoff series uh, uh, have shown. Lou, tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. Well, I just think that uh, a lot of the teams are coming down from the first uh, round of the playoffs. Uh, it seemed like uh, even from years gone by that the first round is always the toughest and probably the most exciting round of the playoffs uh, of, of any year. And what happens is that uh, you're, you're really so high because you want to get by into that next round and you're coming down off a little bit of a low. So uh, this time is more or less... What I'm finding from watching the games that I have watched is that once the teams get a one-goal lead going into the third period, 
they start setting themselves up into the trap. And uh, it's almost like one guy trying to beat four or five guys through a neutral zone. And once they get the center ice, they dump it in. There's really no uh, hard for uh, hard forecheck going on. And uh, it's not as wide open as uh, the first series is. I've, I've sort of found the same thing. It's just when a team gets a lead, unless uh, the only time they seem to snap out of it, like is when there's one second left in the game. I, <laughs> that's happened twice in this playoff series. It's really astounding. You know, the Washington Capitals beat the New York Rangers in game one in the last second of the game. And then Tampa Bay, this kid, what's it? Uh, Tyler Johnson. Uh, Tyler Johnson uh, scores with one second left in, in, in that in that Hab game. Really astounding. But uh doesn't seem to be, I don't know, there's something about this year's playoffs that just doesn't seem free-flowing. Uh, we've got our intern in here, Cooper, uh, the kid. Uh, your, your assessment of the playoffs this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. Just it's missing something. It hasn't been as exciting as previous years. I don't. I think I, it's a lot of the teams sitting on the leads. I think it's happening a lot more this playoffs than than in previous years for sure. Seeing a lot of really low scoring games too. Two one, one nothing. It's just no. Well, some of these teams can't score. Rangers yeah. can't get any goals. Uh, you know, uh, Habs except for that one game. A lot of these one nothing, two one games that go for stretches and stretches and stretches. Is it, is it just too difficult to score against some of these goalies? I mean, some of these, some of these goalies are huge. There's no, you know, I, I noticed with, um, with Bishop, I mean, you know, they, I think the Habs have figured they, they better pop it upstairs, and they seem to be getting it right underneath the crossbar. Uh, just, are the goalies, is there not enough shooting room? Well, I think what it comes down to is that uh, they got so much video on, on teams and players now that they, they design systems that will, not for the 80-game schedule, but just for the playoffs, to, to more or less take away a lot of people's advantages. And what you're seeing is uh, Steam Staff is not the same player that he was during the regular season. Uh, Montreal's played that way the, all year round. They know if they can score one or two goals, they're going to win a game because they got the best goalie in the world uh, behind them. Uh, and, and this kid, Tyler Johnson, he's really come out of not really nowhere because he was a star with uh, with John Cooper down in Norfolk a few years ago. Played, uh, I think he scored about 70 or 80 points this year in the, in, in the league. And uh, really, if it wasn't for him, I don't think uh, Detroit would probably still be around. And uh, so far, we're, we're getting close to ending the second round of the playoffs. Uh, uh, your favorites on a go-forward go basis. Who's, who's going to come out of here with the Silver Cup? Well... From what you've seen, Chicago. Yeah, they're, I, I, they're I incredible, aren't they? I, I can't see any team. Be, they can beat you with speed. They can beat you with the physicality. Uh, Crawford's coming around now after being benched for a couple of games in the first series against Nashville. Uh, it's just like they're they're starting to gel. Getting Patrick Kane back. Uh, Patrick Sharp's playing up to his level again. They're getting a lot of help from their young kids like Saad and uh, Shaw and uh, Tuvanaven and uh, the Finnish kid that they brought in. Uh, Anaheim's going to be a close second. Uh, because they're so big and strong, and I don't know whether Chicago can handle uh, Kessler and, and Getzlaff and Perry down the middle. Anybody coming out of the East, they better keep it as low as possible, because that's the only way they're going to get by. It should be Anaheim-Chicago. It, wow. It, it really it is, should be. Is that, that's like the Stanley Cup Finals. Like last year, Chicago-LA, oh, LA. which, yeah. which I, I thought, watching the Chicago-LA series, I thought yeah. last year was one of the best playoff series ever. Yep. And Anaheim, Chicago, maybe we may be headed in the same direction. Anyways, uh, we're just about to go to break. Before we do, I just want to let everyone know when we come back from break, we're going to be talking about a topic that we have talked about on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour quite a bit in the last year, which is concussions in professional sports. Um, I, or as I prefer to call them, brain injuries. 
We have on this show talked to Joe Delamalure, who's been in the forefront of the NFL concussion litigation. We've talked to John Branch, who wrote the book on Derek Bogard. John Branch, Pulitzer Prize winner for the New York Times, wrote, wrote an outstanding book about Derek Bogard and his suffering from concussions. And when we come back from break, we will have Stephen Grigel, who's the, one of the lead attorneys who's involved in the NHL concussion litigation. And we're certainly looking forward to talking about brain injuries in the NHL with him shortly. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number just for cell phones, pound 3636. However, some listeners thought I was saying pound 3636. To be clear, our new number for cell phones is pound 3636, not pound 3636. However you like it, call Pizzaville at pound 3636. Wait. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. 
Good morning. Welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour on this Mother's Day Sunday. We have on the line with us Stephen Grigel, and I hope I pronounced that name correctly, Stephen. Good morning. Greigel, sorry, I apologize. Listen, uh, we're speaking to Stephen Greigel. For our listeners, Mr. Greigel is an experienced trial lawyer, attorney out of Baltimore, Maryland. He's a high-profile class action litigator. He's a graduate of the 1986 uh, Harvard Law School. He's a lead attorney in the NHL concussion litigation. The resume and the CV was fantastic until I got to the last line, Stephen, and unfortunately... You know, your last line of your CV doesn't go over too well in Toronto. You're a Habs fan. I am a Habs fan. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Okay, they well, looked pretty good the last few games. <laughs> they, they certainly have pulled it out, so we wish you all the best. But we, we want to talk about the, um, the NHL concussion litigation, and you're, you're in the thick of it. And something very important happened in that litigation this week. Um, and uh, the, uh, you, uh, as part of that litigation, want to interview, I guess the legal term of it is is to depose, although uh, we want to try to keep the legalese out of this as much as possible, and that's pretty difficult in a conversation between two lawyers. It you is. want to interview Gary Bettman, and the NHL didn't want you to interview him or depose him, but you want a significant ruling this week about that. Tell us about that. Uh, we were happy with that. I mean, as you know, the case is really about sec- providing security and care to former NHL players. It's very important that that focus be established first and foremost. Protecting the players, developing the appropriate health care system for them is crucial to us. Deposing Commissioner Batman, interviewing him, as you say, is an important part of that because to get to the program we want to take care of the retired players, we obviously need to prevail in our case. And to do that, we need to develop the information that the NHL itself has said Mr. Batman has. In fairness, the National Hockey League didn't say we could never depose Mr. Bettman. What they were looking to do, Wally, was to push that deposition, that interview, off until much later in the discovery process. We wanted to do it early. It seemed efficient to do it early because, according to the NHL's disclosures in court, Mr. Bettman knows the most, and he's obviously been involved since 1993 when he became commissioner. So we thought it would be very useful to get to depose him earlier, and the court agreed with us. Stephen, I want to ask you um, just to give an overview of this entire litigation. Um, and we use the word le- plaintiffs. Uh, the plaintiffs are the are the NHL players making the claims here. Now, there's been all kinds of different lawsuits started, from what I understand. And if correct me if I'm wrong, because you're an experienced class action litigator, have all of these actions been consolidated into one class action? What's the status of of the legal actions that are going on? That's a very good question. A number, as you know, of different retired players got together and filed individual lawsuits in various places. The first three were in Washington, D.C., New York, and Minnesota. Others were subsequently filed. In one of the areas of law that makes some sense, the courts have a system down here whereby we take all of these cases and put them into a process called the multi-district litigation process. And that means the defendant only has to defend what are essentially similar claims by similarly situated plaintiffs in one place. So these cases all ended up being consolidated in Minnesota. The court has a hearing to see which jurisdiction is the best suited at the particular time to hear the cases. And in this case, the what's called the Panel on Multi-District Litigation heard everybody's pitch for which forum is right, and said, we're going to send it to Minnesota. 
So we ended up in Minnesota, which in many ways is very fitting since down here we call it the state of hockey. Well, ta- talking about Minnesota, I, I just want to go to uh, one of the um, one of the players that that's involved in this lawsuit. It's a player by the name of Brad Maxwell. He's the, right. He's the president of the Minnesota NHL Alumni Association, and, and I and I just just to give our listeners an idea because we, we 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 tend to forget what a concussion is. A concussion is a brain injury. It's a brain trauma. And I'm, I'm just going to read a, a little blurb from the Star Tribune in Minnesota, a quote from Brad Maxwell. And this, these are the types of long-term injuries that we are dealing with. This is, and I quote Brad Maxwell, I have seen firsthand the toll these head hits have taken on former NHL players. My former teammates suffer daily from the effects of countless head injuries, memory loss, depression, insomnia, migraines. Many aren't able to control their tempers, and that seems to be getting worse with time. They aren't able to perform everyday tasks that most take for granted. The medical bills pile up, and they don't know where they're going to find the money to pay the medical bills. We're talking about brain diseases. We're talking about suicides. Um, Am I overstating the case? You're not at all, and you're making a very important point, Wally. A lot of people misconstrue the case and say, well, you're just suing because people got concussions. That's not it at all. Players understand, hockey players above all understand, that when you step onto the ice, yes, you do take the risk of an injury. Concussions are within that band of expected injuries. However, that's not what our case is about. The case is about the long-term effects, the brain diseases that are secondary to repeated concussive and sub-concussive hits to the head. We're not suing because people got concussions. We're suing because people weren't told that the effect of a whole bunch of hits to the head would be in the long term what the doctors call fancily neurocognitive impairments, what we might call CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, ALS, other diseases of the brain that mean you can't remember your kids' names when you're 40. And the problem, of course, is a lot of folks say, well, gee whiz, I guess it's just the aging process. And come to find out, you're 40, you should be able to remember what you started out to do when you walked from one room to the other. It's that set of effects that we're suing about. It's not the concussions themselves. It's what they resulted in. You're not overstating it at all. I just Look at Mike to... Peluso's situation, for example. Mike suffers from seizures terribly. Uh, Dan Lockature has written about his problems. The names go on and the stories are tragic. The names, Mark Savard, Eric Lindros, Pat LaFontaine, Paul Correa, Chris Pronger. Uh, Adam Deadmarsh, Keith Primo, Mike Richter, Stu Grimson, Jeff Cortnell, Keith Primo, Steve Moore, Matt Barnaby. The list is endless. And I, I'm just scratching the surface with some of these names. People are suffering long-term health effects from, uh, from these matters. And I have somebody, I have, I have an ex-Washington Capitol player, and Toronto Maple Leaf player in studio with me. He's a friend of the Nazimali Sports Hour, uh, Lou Franceschetti. And I was we talking earlier with Lou, uh, um, uh, whether you had suffered any concussions in your career, Lou. Uh, um, you, you look back on your career now, and uh, I know you've got a question you'd like to ask uh, uh, Mr. Grigel. Uh, tell us a little bit about your history with, uh, with brain hits or how they were dealt with or whether they were, whether they were even diagnosed as concussions back in the day when you played, which was basically the, 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 the mid to late 80s. Lou? Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Lou? Really good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the question I was going to ask is, uh, I don't know how many plaintiffs you have right now, um, but if once this uh, 
lawsuit is more or less is taken care of, who benefits from the uh, from the dispersal of all the of all the money? Is it all the players or just the players that have filed? Like I I could imagine that I've probably went through at least half a dozen or so concussions when I played, and not that I was diagnosed. It was more or less you were uh, you were hitting the ice uh, during a game. They came out on the ice and to give you some smelling salts. They brought you over to the bench, made sure that you were okay. They asked you certain questions. They asked you where you were and uh, what time it was and your name and all that. And you said, yeah, yeah, and you, you blew off your name. And more or less, they just put you out there. And in my situation, it was more or less, I know if, if I didn't go back out there for the next game, if I wasn't ready to play, they had somebody come up from the minors and take my position, and I was going to go right back down because I didn't have the security of the top six players on our team or any team in the National Hockey League. Your question's a very good one. Who benefits? That depends in this case on how the definition of the members of the class ends up looking. Right now, you don't have to have filed a claim in order to benefit if the case is successful. If you are within the definition of the class, and that is right now all retired National Hockey League players who played or practiced in the NHL, you're within the class. Depending on how the court goes with class certification, there may be modifications to the the class definition. Uh, The class certification issue hasn't been even addressed yet. That won't be until early in 2016 after this initial phase of discovery is done. But you don't have to necessarily have filed your own claim to be in the class. That's the beauty of class actions. They are litigated through the named plaintiffs, the class representatives that is, are selected to represent the various interests and injuries suffered by class members. Now, I'm, I like it, frankly, when people file individual claims. They get consolidated with the case that's already existing, yes. But it's important that the National Hockey League and that the general public understand that this is an issue of enormous magnitude and importance. I mean, the idea here is to create a fund a way of protecting players so that they can get tested, so that they can get in line early for treatments that are now underway and being developed. And so for those players who have already developed chronic-related brain diseases, such as dementia, depression, inability to remember things, early-onset Alzheimer's, that they get taken care of. I mean, what this is about is taking care of the guys whose backs and blood and brains were sacrificed to make this game the wonderful game that it is, and to prosper the NHL's fortunes, which they did. It's about taking care of the retired guys who built the game. Just going on that point, uh, and you know, just, just to put, you know, on radio it's difficult sometimes to paint a picture. We, we talked about Brad Maxwell. Let, let, me, let me give you some quotes from Jer- Jeremy Roenick, who we, see, we hear on the radio all the time. He's quite, uh, quite popular on, on, on some of the sports talk radio shows in Toronto, uh, in Toronto and you see, you hear, see him on NBC all the time. This is Jeremy Roenick. Um, his, his quotation, uh, repeated, blows to, it, repeated blows to the head. Five years into his retirement, the nine-time NHL All-Star says that the brain damage inflicted by his hard-hitting career makes it so he can no longer remember parts of his past. Games he played in, trips he went on, and friends he spent time with. My wife will ask me, hey, remember when we did this? Remember when we did that? And Roenick says, I totally don't remember any of it. My short-term memory is good, but there's lots of times I'm asked questions I couldn't remember for the life of me. This is Jeremy Roenick. Right. I see him on TV 
like on, on the NBC network two, three times a week. Well, right. Wally and Steve, there was, there's one incident, and if you're a big hockey fan, it happened here in Toronto uh, when Darcy Hucker, uh, Tucker ran Ronick almost through the, uh, through the boards. Right. He literally had to ki- carry himself to the bench that game. If I'm not mistaken, he came back later that game and scored the winning goal in overtime. And I'm not sure if that was in this era with the that with the doctors. Two thousand and three or four. I, I can't remember which yeah. year it was. It, probably that's my post concussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I remember if if that had happened right now, Jeremy Roenick would not have gotten back on the ice because he was literally had to walk off by himself and and he was dragging himself. And the Leafs could have won that series. Could have won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, there, 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 <laughs> there you go. But again, now I I saw some of the names on the, as plaintiffs. There are guys there that have played less than 100 games. Now, are they do the same amount as if guys that have played 1,000 games or 800 games or 700 games? That question is that's a good question. It's too early to answer how the relief will shake out. You might, simply for comparison purposes, take a look at what happened in the National Football League's concussion settlement. The National Football League, unlike the NHL, as you know, has recognized the link between repeated hits to the head and long-term neurocognitive impairments and brain disease. We hope the NHL sooner or later finally says, yes, there is a link. But when you look at the NFL's settlement structure, they have it calibrated in terms of your likely exposures during your time in the league. And there are a lot of smart actuaries and an awful lot of smart experts out there who can put that kind of program together so that the people who had more exposures got hit more often, got hit harder in the NHL than people who were there for a shorter time probably get a better benefit. Again, that's a matter for expert testimony down the road. But those things can be addressed, and they get addressed in cases every day all over this great green land of ours and yours. Stephen, are you receiving any support at all from the NHL Players Association or the NHL Alumni Association? We have not received, to be perfectly candid, direct support from either. Uh, It's basically been the retired players themselves who have taken the laboring oar here. As you know, it's complicated when you're in the NHLPA because you have a bargaining relationship with the NHL and you represent not the retired players. They're not in the bargaining unit. You represent the current players. And there's something of a tension between the rights and interests of retired players versus the rights and interests of current players. We believe, of course, that this case is good for everybody because the more safe the game becomes, the better for everybody. Retired players are taken care of and the guys playing today are less likely to get hurt. That's the most important thing. Stephen, a couple, we've got a couple of minutes left. Uh, uh, quick question on, you know, we, we're, you know a, lot, a lot of litigation is litigating what's happened in the past. Right. Brain injuries and brain trauma are the elephant, the, so, the proverbial elephant in the room in, 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 in professional sports, most so for hockey and, f- and professional football than any of the other sports. On a go-forward basis, we've got human beings we need to protect. We've got families we need to protect. We have to do, so I mean, we, the NHL, the Players Association, uh, is enough being done to prevent concussions in today's game? I would say not. Now, again, the litigation, as you know, addresses what went on before in the NHL's failure to warn players and failure to tell players, hey, look, just because we haven't come out and said that... uh, the concussion in that the long-term effects of concussions are X, Y, and Z. That doesn't mean you're safe to come back the day after you take a hit to the head. I mean, essentially, the case is about the NHL knew or should have known and didn't warn players about the long-term effects of concussions. 
But going forward, to answer the question, is the game being safe enough? I'd say until you have eliminated every element of gratuitous shots to the head that are unnecessary to the game, it's not as safe as it could be, and it's not as safe as it should be. And this is coming from a guy who loves the game, love the players more, but I love the game, I love to play. But to me, there is no justification, no room in the game for gratuitous shots to the head. And if they wanted to, the league could get rid of them with the most severe punishments for the obvious gratuitous hits to the head. Is five games enough? I would suggest not. Is ten games enough? I would suggest not. Pretty soon, players will get the message and play like they do in the Olympics. Clean, fast, hard, and fair. Kenny Dryden's made that point better than I ever can. Uh, we've been talking to Stephen Greigel, of course, the uh, one of the lead attorneys on the NHL concussion litigation. Uh, you can uh, want to pursue this story a little bit more, educate yourself a little bit more. There is a website, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's NHLconcussionlitigation.com. Is that correct, Stephen? That's it. Yeah, good. good. There's some fascinating articles uh, there, uh, certainly... Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show this morning, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Um, you certainly, certainly educated us and our listeners, and uh, we wish you the best of luck in the, in the litigation. Uh, being uh, my my professional bent suggests that this case is going to get settled before trial for a significant sum of money, uh, just like it got settled in the NFL. But uh, you know the the boys at uh, the the executives at the NHL they're taking obviously their legal stance and uh, they're pretty tough cookies. So we wish you the best of luck. Really appreciate it. I very much appreciate the opportunity to talk about our case and our clients and maybe what could be called our cause. Thank you very much. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much. That Thanks, Stephen. Maybe we'll Bye-bye. run into each other somewhere down the road. Thanks. I hope so. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Bye, fellas. Bye. Uh, certainly some interesting stuff there, Lou. Now, um, you're part of the NHL alumni. Uh, you're a former player. You were concussed, and I'm sure uh, at points you have, you're, you're invited to different things. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be careful with the question that I ask you because these are sensitive topics. Uh, and, uh, you know, and uh, uh, is there, there's certainly we always hear about the code amongst NHL players and former players. Um, I don't know if you feel any pressure to stay out of the lawsuit or whether you've been approached or... or um, but it, it's, it's got to be difficult for former NHL players to, to contemplate uh, getting involved in a lawsuit like this. Have, have, uh, have you come... Uh, how have you dealt with that? I don't think any player has been approached... Every player is its, its own individual. He will apply. He will uh, ask questions. Uh, in my case, it's more or less, let's see what happens. I, I think we're, we're just going to wait and see how this thing uh, comes out, and then we'll probably go to the necessary route after that. Uh, I can only look after myself. I don't have to look at a lot of the other players. The other players have probably want to go one step further, uh, but there, there are certain ramifications sometimes that certain uh, teams might take, if uh, if an individual does take this uh, lawsuit to the extreme and and win it, uh, but for, I'm I'm only looking at myself right now, and uh, I probably have been concussed a few times when I played, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm still here. I don't have uh, any uh, side effects, maybe except for one. I'm starting to lose a little bit of my hearing, uh, and I'm not sure if that's part of it or not. I did play the uh, physical part of the game, and I guess the only thing that I can look at is see where where I am. 
uh, five to ten years down the road, see if I'm physically able to do anything and see if I've got any of these uh, so-called uh, side effects that the, a lot of the players are getting now. Well, we certainly, you know, hopefully we wish you the best on that. And uh, one, one area that we touched briefly at the end of that interview with, with, uh, with Stephen was, um, is the NHL doing enough to, uh, to protect its players? Are the, you know, and, and that, that's a multifaceted question. Um, let, let's approach it from one specific direction, which is, are the suspensions severe enough for headshots, and I've always, I'm of the opinion, uh, I didn't ever play in the NHL. You have a different perspective on it. I, I'd love to see 10, 20 game suspensions for shots to the head. And you, you want to be a repeat offender? I got no problems with 20, 30 games. I, you know, I understand that I'm, I've never played in the NHL. Uh, you know, I know you use the argument sometimes. How many games have you played in the NHL? Lou, you played in the NHL. You, you're, you, you watch the NHL. Uh, we understand the. Dramatic, dramatic impacts of brain injuries on some of the guys that you played with, some of your friends. Uh, are the suspensions severe enough? I don't think the suspensions are, are severe enough. Uh, but let's go back to your first question. I think every team is doing their best due diligence on, on trying to eliminate the, the shots to the head. And there's always going to be one or two individuals that go, not necessarily go out of their way, to target their head uh, on an individual on the opposition team to, uh, to to injure them. But it's some players put themselves in a position where it's there to be done. It, your your head is in a place where it shouldn't be. You've got, you got a six foot five defenseman who's going up against a guy that's 5'10", 5'11", and you can't, you're not going to bend down, and his head is right at the target of your shoulder. And there are players that play that that type of hockey that that have more or less have put food on the table because they're a physical player and you can't avoid that sometimes but at the, at the end of the day you have to find some way to more or less eliminate all shots to the head and i i can't think of any other way of eliminating all shots to the head other than eliminating fighting because a lot of i mean take a look at the enforcers the guys who took they took shots to the head from knuckles, not from shoulders, not from elbows, not from anything other than knuckles. And some, let, let's talk about some of these guys, although I will preface the names I'm going to mention by saying it's never been proven that it ended up causing their ultimate demise. Well, Steve Montador, w- Wade Belak, Rick Rippon, Derek Bogart. Yes, you're, you're, okay. you're, you're, naming, you're naming guys that have, have recently passed. And let's, let's get one thing straight. We can't take fighting out of this game. Okay, so every, anybody that wants to take it out. Why we're, can't we're, you take fighting out of the because game, there's Lou? Be why little, not? There's going to be little rats out there that are going to go out and stick people. That's why. And those little you rats got to be dealt with well, in the they context do, but they're not of the gonna, rules. But they're not going to be dealt because they can get away with it. And I'll yeah. tell you what. Stage fights we should get rid of. If I battle you along the boards and I do something stupid to you, I expect to fight. I don't expect if I hit you clean, like right now, you cannot hit anybody clean and hard yeah. and knock a guy to the ice because you know there's somebody coming after you uh, then, then, right after that. You know that. what? Uh, you know, you've, na- you've, you've nailed a good point on the stage fights, and, it, and to a certain extent, they've got rid of most of it. Yes. They have. Okay. But how many years did it take them when these guys, when the Bogarts, when the Montadors and these other guys were getting, were getting uh, you know, face cream pies with knuckles? 
How many years the NHL look looked at that stuff blindly? It's up to the individual teams. You look at Detroit; they don't have no no fighter on that team. You look at certain teams, like at Chicago; they don't have any fighters on that team. They got rid of Bolig. They got rid of uh, who? I, I can't remember the other. Well, they still have Bickle, yeah. but he plays the game. He gets ten, fifteen points every playoff season. So if you can get or eliminate the one dimensional fighter. That that is the problem right now. If you can get rid of, but some teams are going to carry him. So to offset that, we don't want the same situation that happened in Vancouver and Calgary two years ago, where the stage fight even before the start of the game happened, because we know it was going to happen. You when you see that Calgary's got their uh, five toughest guys on the ice, and Vancouver counters with whoever they did, and they weren't their five toughest, but they knew they were going to go at it. You have to eliminate that one-dimensional player, and it's proven this year. The better teams are the teams that can roll four lines. That can, the players that can play anywhere from 5 to 10 to 12 minutes a game and that are not going to hurt you on the ice when they're put in that situation. You can't play certain guys three or four minutes and expect, well, he's, our, he's the only guy there because we've got to take care of Zach Cassian. We've got to take care of him or a Michael Furland or somebody like that. Michael Furland can play the game. He's out there to do one thing, and that's to cause havoc on the other team and making sure that they're... Their mind is on him instead of guys like Johnny Goudreau and, and Sean Monaghan. Anyways, Lou, it, it's a fascinating topic. I really enjoy uh, talking about and appreciate your insights. And, uh, and uh, we certainly will have you back at some point. We'll continue this debate. But I, uh, um, certainly you have, a, you have very strong opinions about this, and we appreciate it. Uh, we're going to change to a different topic now. We have a big game happening about a uh, quarter mile from our studio here at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Toronto FC is commencing their home opener. They're fine. The boys are finally coming back. And uh, a couple of good results in, in the last couple of weeks. A new stadium, uh, 30,000 strong today. We have our roving reporter, Mark Kennedy, on the line with us. M- Mark Kennedy, you can find him at his blog site, mistakebythelake.com. I think I have that right. Mark, are you on the line? Good morning, Wally. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, thanks for holding for so long. But uh, Lou and I and uh, the attorney, we got into it and we, uh, we we had to keep it going. So thanks for holding. Listen, I want to get right to it. There's something. It, 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 go ahead, Wally. No, no, you were, you wanted to finish your point. Well, I just wanted to say that uh, I, I wish I was there, and um, I'll just say to Lou that um, remember, anytime you agree with Wally, that's a sign. Of, of a long-standing brain injury. <laughs> well, I said that. It was, I concussed a few times. <laughs> Anyways, Mark, I will disregard that comment. Anyways, we have, we have a big event happening at 5 o'clock today. It's, it's a big event for two different reasons. One, it's the opening of our new stadium. 30,000 yeah. strong. I understand it's completely sold out. And it's also our home opener. So uh, give, us, give us an update uh, on, the, uh, on the new stadium and what, uh, what, what we're looking forward to there. And uh, how's the team been doing and what are the prospects? Well, the, the team has been um, building to this moment, no doubt about it. Um, as to how the stadium looks, I think uh, everyone has been circling around the exterior. Only the VIPs have been able to get inside. So... Uh, uh, we're we're all eager as fans to see uh, what improvements have been made. Mark, can I ask you a question? Sure. Has this been the Giovinco uh, sideshow? Like, is this is he a one man show right now? Because every I don't follow the TFC a lot, but I do watch the scores and I do watch the highlights, and it seems like it's it's him and everybody else on this team. When are they going to start buying into or supporting him as Altadori and, and maybe Bradley and that? 
Well, Altidore has now scored four goals. So Altidore um, has, yes, he has been invisible for some games, but I would say in these uh, two recent wins coming home, um, Altidore has been uh, much more visible, much more of a partner to Javinko. Um, we're, you know, we're, it's, it's all to be seen this afternoon down at, at BMO Field because, uh, you know, I, I think they're both going to want to put on a show. I don't think Javinko's going to be alone. I think, uh, Bradley's supporting him. There's another midfielder, a, a French a player by the name of Cheru. Um, we're, we're, we're hoping for a cohesive looking team. Is this a is this a, is this a better team than last year? And where are the weaknesses in the team so far, and where are the strengths? Um, I would say it's a better team than last year, but um, that leads you into a whole really debate about Jermaine Defoe because Defoe did start off strong last year. It was it was the second half of the year. He just didn't want he didn't want to be here anymore. That, yes, he he wanted, he wanted a ticket home. Uh, the weaknesses on the, on this team, I think, are definitely um, defending. As you pointed out a couple of weeks ago, when they're on the road, they don't seem to have the style to shut down another team. Um, although for the last two games in Orlando and in Philadelphia, they were they were able to do that. But um, they they have a very young um, group of defenders, um, and sometimes they can. They can look a little lost at sea, especially against uh, a, a, a smart attacking team. Anyways, uh, Mark, uh, really quickly, Champions League uh, looked uh, messy, a sublime performance this week. Uh, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was just yes, he absolutely was incredible. Yes. I think everyone is hoping for... Uh, well, maybe I'm sorry. I, except for the Italian, I know where I, you're going with this. Except for the Italians <laughs> in the room. I was going to say that, of course. Okay. Um, everyone is is hoping that Real Madrid at home is able to um, overcome Juventus, so that we can have a Messi versus Ronaldo uh, Champions League final, and everyone can debate into the night as to which is the better player. Well, I, you know, I, I think it's headed that way. I think Juve is going to have a tough time holding that two to one lead, and when they head back to, uh, when they be- head back to Madrid. But I, you know, I'd love to see an Italian team in the final. It's hey, been Mark, a while. who is the better player, Messi or Ronaldo? Um, or we got a Lemieux per- and Gretzky factor here. Well, personally, I think Messi is 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 the better player, but I think that's due to the fact that he has the nicer personality. Cristiano Ronaldo tends to rub you the wrong way because you, you feel as if uh, he's got his mirror on him somewhere so that he can stop and admire himself on a regular basis. Mark, Mark, I'm going to have to cut you off. Unfortunately, it's the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, so I get the last word, and we're going to do, we're going we're going to get you back in studio because. Ronaldo's not even close to Messi as a soccer player. I have to let you go right there. Anyways, we've got to go. We've got to go to break, and we'll be right back with Sean Clement calling us from Paris, France. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. Pound three six three six. Hey, what's that music? It's dramatizing. You can call Pizzaville from anywhere. Seems a bit over the top. It says we will find you, we will track you down, we will... Deliver your pizza? Yeah. Can you turn it off now? Fine. <clears throat> call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. Oh, my ears are ringing. 
At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Without further ado, we have on the line with us, barnstorming in Europe, Sean Clement. Sean Clement, you've taken the Wisdom in Golf tour to the, uh, to the other side of the pond. Uh, tell us what you're doing over there. And good morning, by the way. <laughs> good afternoon, you guys. Oh, good afternoon to you. Sorry. I, uh, I just spent the day in Paris. Uh, we actually did a video in front of the Eiffel Tower with my director of instruction in Europe. His name is Edouard Montaz. And, uh, and uh, you're we doing had, a... We had a fantastic... Pardon me? I, I got to follow up on that one. You're doing a video in front of the, uh, the Eiffel Tower. Uh, yeah, golf instruction video. <laughs> How'd you manage to do that without the gendarmes uh, shutting you down or... Uh... <laughs> Did you get local clearance? You get a permit for that? How'd you manage that? But the, no, uh, no, I've got, I've got a really good host. Uh, he 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 knows his he knows his way around the city, and uh, 
He's shown me around this unbelievable. It's just off the hook. Paris is the most beautiful place I've ever been to. Well, uh, if you haven't gone there, it's got to be on your bucket list. Absolutely, Sean. Just so that uh, you know, you're you're one of the world's top internet golf teachers. Twenty-two million yep. hits on YouTube. Uh, you're uh, you you hang your local shingle here at the Richmond Hill Learning Center. How does how does uh, Sean Clement from uh, teaching golf in Richmond Hill attract interest in Europe? Well, I mean, with with actually, I'm I'm just went over twenty three million hits. <laughs> okay, good. But I, we've got we've got a, a a lot of students. I have a lot of students in the UK that follow me. Uh, a, a lot of them in France and in Germany. So this this week it was uh, half French, half German. Uh, last week we were in the UK. And uh, basically, what I do is, uh, you know, the, I have a student of mine who says, "Listen, I'd like to invite you to my club. We have uh, we have a bunch of uh, guys here, and then uh, I, I complete uh, that with uh, with local students uh, from the area on my YouTube channel. And uh, we we were sold out. We had a waiting list for this one. It was just an amazing experience. So uh, you head over to uh, to the other side of, of the pond, and. Uh they, 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 you know, they uh, invite you to to, to um, do some golf lessons and whatever. How do what? Uh, what do you focus on when you go see a group for the first time? How well, do you we, how do you start your lessons and uh, what? Uh, we do. We, go ahead. Well, what's great is that yeah, we have we have four students that we do in a three hour session, uh, so they get a lot of individual attention and uh, they get to learn from one another as well. But these are all regular. Stu- they've they've. Like these are people that know my stuff. I've been on the, on the online now for over eight years, and so they know my inside out. And it's just that little something that 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 they need to put them over the top. So there's a there's a specific feel or a specific focus that they're they're short circuited on. And 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 it and then once they break through that, it just takes them immediately to the next level. I got just such great feedback and and great success from these uh, from these trips. So it's very rewarding for me. It allows me to see new places, and uh, you know, it allows me to make a lot of people happy. I've always been fascinated by golf instruction, Sean. So, you know, you're over there meeting students for the first time. You have a limited time period you spend with them. You know, you yep. you're doing I don't know how many three four days or however much you do with students. Give us a little idea what what type of a program you put together and what what kind of instruction you do. In, in that short time period to improve somebody's game? Well, it's, it's like I'll give you an example. Grip is one of the, the hardest things to teach, especially when you're not there. And uh, so somebody is struggling with how they're holding the club, and then, then they have my hands on their hands, and then they get to really see how to place the club in their hands. That's a major short circuit. So you go through the fundamentals of wisdom in golf, how your anatomy is supposed to be married to that particular tool and, and to perform a specific task. So, so we go through our fundamentals. And in the first hour, I've got everybody lined up. And then the next two hours, we have reinforced the feel of the action so that they're clear. When they leave, they're absolutely clear on what they need to focus on and what they need to ignore. So it's, uh, it's very it's, it's really unlike any other kind of instruction that you'll ever. Oh, we lost them. We lose Sean. You, you hear there? Yeah, no, no, we just so missed that last point, Sean. Anyways, we're so talking. It's really. Un... No, sorry, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, so it's, it's unlike any other kind of instruction that you've ever experienced. It's, uh, you know, one of, my, one of my students that was here from Germany is a sports psychologist. And, 
that what is very new in the last five years for them is differential learning. And this I've already been teaching. I call it Goldilocks. So I'll give you an example. You're doing a chip shot, and you're wondering how much momentum to use to, to execute a specific distance. Let's say it's 40 yards, uh, a long chip shot that's going to run. So you, you, you see where you want to land the ball. You take a practice swing that you feel would be way too soft. And then you take a practice swing that you feel would be way too strong, and then do one in between. And then you go, well, gosh, yeah, that one in between sounds really good. So then because your brain has now a reference that it can, it can really bank on, it's extremely easy to execute from there. So, so he's talking about how in archery, you don't try to aim directly at the bullseye. You go from the ground up through the bullseye or from the sky down through the bullseye, exactly like a jet fighter and their radar system just goes, you know, like you see in, in Top Gun, at one point it goes to the left, to the right, and then it locks in. Well, your brain works exactly the same way. Sean, uh, we're talking, of course, the to techniques that we use. Yeah, we're talking to Sean Clement, uh, who's uh, who's barnstorming his Wisdom in Golf tour to uh, Europe uh, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Sean, I've got uh, in studio today. I know you you hang your shingle at the Richmond Hill Golf Learning Center. I've got in studio today Lou Franceschetti, former Washington Capital and Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, he tells me he needs a little bit of work on his game. He's been uh, he's been sla- hacking and slashing around some of the golf courses in southern oh. Ontario. So uh, I may have to send him. To, I may have to send him to see you for some remedial uh, some remedial work. Stop stop the insanity. We'll stop the insanity for him. No worries. Sean, can I ask a small question? Yeah, I'm an avid golfer. How do you consistently yep. hit the ball? Well, how do you learn how to consistently hit the ball on on the screws? Uh, on a regular basis, like I'm as okay. probably as consistent, inconsistent as possible. Right. Um, so, so the, the, Sean, before you answer itch? that question, Sean, before you answer that question, I've got to warn you. I've got a minute and ten seconds. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So, the consistency factor comes from consistent focus. If you make the ball your target and you have nowhere to place the ball, if you're looking down and all you see is a golf ball, you're in big trouble. So. You need a target to send to the, to, you need an action to deliver to a target. So I'll give you an example. It, it, you're playing baseball and you're looking out to, if I, I play, I bat left-handed in baseball. I look out between first and second base. I have a very specific trajectory that I need to, to have to, to hit it over that fence. I'm waiting for the pitch that matches the picture. As soon as I get that pitch, I cannot miss hit it. So when you're looking out into the target, into your fairway, you know, I want to start it on the right edge of that left bunker, and I want to fade it back to the 150 marker. If I release my energy toward that bunker, toward the right edge of that bunker, does it feel like I can hit it on the screws or not? It's a prediction. So if you look at one of my videos entitled Predict Solid Contact, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Sean, I'm going to have... That'll, that'll, help, uh, that'll help that one minute there, Walter. Then I Thanks, Sean. We're going to have to let you go. Lou, I can only suggest you got to get practice, up. Practice, practice, practice. Go up to go up. Go see Sean at the Richmond Hill I, Golf I will have Learning. To. I'm so you got to go yeah. see him anyway. Sean, uh, you've been barnstorming around the world this year. You've been in L.A., Dallas, Dubai, Europe. Uh, obviously, you're spreading your golf message to the world. Thanks for joining us. Travel home safely, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot, you guys. Talk to you. Thanks, uh, thanks, Sean Clement. Anyways, Lou, thanks for coming in studio. We uh, we really appreciate you coming in and sharing your uh, 
your experience and your thoughts on a lot of really important topics. It's been the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on this Mother's Day Sunday. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.